So happy Mother's Day weekend. It's such a joy to be able to honor our moms. We do hope that if you are here and you are a mom, that you really do feel celebrated and seen, certainly by our Heavenly Father, and then here just within our City Life Church family, seen by us and honored. So we celebrate you. It's happy, happy, a happy weekend, and it's a heavy weekend for some. And so our prayer is that our time together will be life-giving. So talking to our mamas, how many know what the mama bear syndrome is? It's like a whole thing, yeah, right? Amy's like, yeah. So yeah, the mama bear syndrome is actually a medical syndrome. Like it's a whole thing. It's got a definition. But basically... If you're a mother, you probably can relate at some point in time, you've experienced it, right? But it's this, this primal rising up of this inner bear, right? The inner beast that is basically, the definition talks about this, this idea of I will do anything it takes to protect my child, right? I will do whatever it takes for the good of my child. So I don't know about you, but when I first became a mother, my son, my oldest son Derek is almost 22, so this was a long time ago, but um, when I first became a mom, it happened like twice, once in the hospital, and it happened twice like within the first couple days of having him, once in the hospital, and once at the weight check just a couple days later, and it was so hilarious and scary. I terrified Fred. He knew I'd lost my ever-loving mind already, but then it happened, he was there both times, and he just, I remember he just looked at me like, what is happening? So it's real. Like I didn't, words were coming out of me, a growl from inside of me that I didn't even know existed. So yeah, can, am I the only one? You can relate. So now what hasn't happened is that hasn't happened in a long time. My kids are, gosh, 18, almost 20, 21. So I wondered if the mama bear still existed in the inner part of who I am. And I was reminded recently that, oh, the mother bear, don't poke the bear. I want a shirt that says this, don't poke the bear. So true story, just a couple weeks ago, I came home from work, and there was this crumpled up note. Claire said she had found it like a sticky note on the door. Had a couple typed sentences, and deputy colon, and signed with a scribbled name of a deputy. But basically, and it literally looked like a sticky note that had been punched in someone's pocket and then like stuck to our door. And it said something about official documents needing to be served in person. Call this number. If you can't get here by 3 p.m., you can go to the jail to pick up these papers. So Claire had texted me a picture. I'm like, that's totally a sales. You know, that's not legit. Just throw it out. But she had left it on the desk in the kitchen. So we were here at the church late, later, kind of later that night. We all get home. We're raiding the pantry, eating snacks. Claire and Ethan were both you know, there. We're just talking. And Fred sees the note. I had forgotten about it. Because I, I told her, just throw it away. It's nothing. So it had no symbol, it had nothing professional looking about it. Um, and so, so Fred, and she's a rule follower, so she left it out because she had my back, right? So Fred sees it and looks at it, he's like, I really think you need to call this number. And so I'm laughing, you know, whatever, it's not legit, Fred, this is so silly. But okay, I'll call it in the morning. But immediately, as he's, he's, he's like, I think that, like, this could be real. And then he starts, like, thinking of things that I potentially could be, like, arrested for or wanted for. Like, it became a whole thing as we're, like, eating snacks. And, and, and he had ideas. Ideas, like, like, you know, or, or debt collectors for some like small medical bill I'm disputing right now from last year. Like they're going to take me away. It was hilarious. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm an upstanding, desirable citizen of Newport News. You are, are you a losing your mind? Ethan had me on the lamb with the burner phone and different color hair. Like they were having a great time 
I will say Claire stood by me. She was faithful in the moment. So the next morning I called the number and to my utter whatever, it was like the sheriff's office. <laughs> so I left a voicemail, you know. <laughs> Hi, I got this note. I can barely read the deputy's name. Like I was, you know, it was like, whoa, is this real? So, and then I had the day off and so I was like, I'm just gonna relax this morning. I'm gonna go take my beach cruiser out for a ride. I'm riding and I get a call from Fred. Vanessa, did you call that number? Yes. Okay, well, I really think you need to go home, shower, and go there. Because I think it had more reasons why I potentially was going to be taken away. Like, this is serious. I'm like, you know I'm trying to relax right now. I'm trying to chill out. You're ruining my morning. And so then he got me all worked up. So then I was like, okay, I go home. So I call the number again, and I get a person. And then it made it even more mysterious. She's like, ma'am, we can't answer any questions, but we do need you to report in person. If you can't get here by three today, you can go to the city jail to pick these up. And I'm just like, I don't go to the jail. Like, I, that's not something I do. But okay, I'll be there shortly. Like, yeah, okay. So I go down to the courthouse, which by the way, they make you feel like a criminal, don't they? Before you're even like, it's terrible. I walk in, I can't bring my phone, which I literally was like, should I like ping my family my location? You know, like should I, should I send a goodbye text in case? Like at this point, my anxiety is rising from Fred's stupid phone call and all his ideas about what I would potentially be arrested for. And so, and then you go in and there's like these three deputies, male deputies there, and they're like, take off your shoes, take off your belt, take off your jewelry, you don't have your phone. Mm. That's another conversation for another day. But you're like, thank you. So you go in. I'm like a nice person, you know. Don't arrest me. So I stand in line. And finally, the depu a deputy, you know, it's all, everyone's wearing guns. There's glass. It looks like you're surrounded by people that potentially should be taken to jail. And you, and then I show him the piece of paper. So he has me wait. Ten minutes later, again, the customer service level isn't high at the courthouse. Has anyone dealt with the courthouse? I'm just saying. You feel like a criminal. You're starting to be, think like a criminal as you're waiting. And so <laughs> you want to be a criminal by the time you leave. No, I'm just kidding. So a deputy comes out, and she has my papers, and they're on a clipboard. And it's basically, you've been selected to be a juror in a federal grand jury. So sign on the dot. Okay, okay, why don't you just tell me that over the phone? You know, she's like, no, because you have to sign right here. I had to sign like three things, my social, like, and then a whole pack with a parking pass, the date, it's all pre-selected. It's not jury selection, you've been selected. So in my relief that, you know, I'm, I'm going to live to see a long life and I'm going to get to go home and see my family, you know, I sign all the places and I turn around to leave. And then that's when it happened. I realized that the date was Derek's college graduation this coming week. So I turned around to the lovely deputy and I said, excuse me, ma'am, but thank you so much for these papers. What is the formal process you go through to get out of, you know, of this commitment? Because my son is graduating from college that day. And so she blows her bangs in the air, <laughs> you know, like that kind of... No, you signed, you signed. You know, this is a legally binding document. You know, you can be arrested if you don't show up for court that day. And the bear just started, started. <laughs> the rumble. I, I homeschooled my child, K through 12. That doesn't make me better, but I, it was painful, okay? <laughs> I'm picturing sounding out words, grammar, science, who cares, right? But you have to care when you homeschool your kids. So you pretend to care. So I'm, the bear is arising. I said, well, what's the process? I'm sure I'm not the first citizen of Newport News to not be able to follow through on this commitment. She's like, hold on a minute, ma'am. So she, and she was real attitude, 
But I'm, you know, I'm very Christ-like. So yeah, absolutely. I'll wait. I'll wait with all the rest of the criminals right here. There's no seating. There's, you know, just glass and guns and rude people that work there. And she goes for another eight or ten minutes. I am not exaggerating. She comes back. This is where it got bad. She comes back with a blue ink Bic pen and a white piece of printer paper. And she said, you can write the judge a note and I'll bring it to his chambers. He's the only one that can release you. And I literally was like, that's, that's the official process? I'm going to do a handwritten note? And then, I didn't say this out loud, and I'm going to trust you to get it to his chamber so that I'm not arrested? And I, I'm picturing Derek, cap and gown, pump and circumstance, me with big glasses on, maybe a green wig, you know, and the back row, and then like the Newport News Sheriff Department coming and arresting me in Blacksburg this week at Virginia Tech. Like, that's what's going through my mind, and I didn't care. And so I... They don't offer you clipboards. She didn't offer me any. There's no where to sit to lean on my lap. Right, I'm leaning on you know the wall and the ink and you know the whole thing. And so I started out professional, dear judge. My name is. I've been assigned this. The conflict is this. But then the bear took over the note, you all. The mama bear was released. The primal. I, I mean, it got emotional. It got messy. You know, I can't imagine missing my son's graduation. Let me tell you. Like, so I go on this sob story. The bear takes over. And it's basically my nice way of saying there is no way in that I'm coming to this. So whatever we need to do, let's do it. Thank you. Thank you for what you do for our city. <laughs> Pastor Vanessa Michaud. So... I was, it was bad. It was, I literally was like, this is so pathetic. But here, thank you, ma'am, for your pen. And then I said, I, I mean, I did not trust this lady at all. And so I said, is there a phone number I can, there's got to be some other way. I appreciate that you're going to get it to his chambers, but I'd love to communicate directly as well. So she did give me a, she said, hold on a minute. She disappeared for another seven and a half minutes. I'm pretty sure she went on a smoke break. And then came back, and then she gave me a phone number. So I went out to my car, and basically it just got worse from there. The message I left. So all is well. I'm, I, I got a call the next morning that was hilarious. Man, this is Miss Davies from so-and-so's office. We, we got your note. We also got your voicemail. You are released from jury duty. And she literally said this. And she said, I just want you to know from one mother to the next that if I had to walk the streets of Newport News and grab someone by the collar to serve in your stead, I would do that. And I was like, Miss Davies, thank you. I feel so seen. I feel so seen. But I tell you that to let you know that the mama bear is alive and well. It's in, it, it doesn't go away when you have young adults. It's just deeper. It's further. Harder to poke. But I share that because if you're a mom, if you have mothered in any way, you know that motherhood is not a role that you take on and off, is it? It's something that changes you from the core of who you are. It like saturates you the DNA of who you are. I experienced that so powerfully when I became a mom. It changed my perspective on the world, on people, on God, on myself. You know, my kids would say, that's such a mom thing to say. And I would be like, yeah, 
I can't not be a mom. I would try. I can't. I can't. I cannot interpret life without this role. It's that beautiful. It's that powerful. It's, it's that guttural, right? It's, it's, that's what motherhood is. So as we're in this series, this story, which I hope that you've been enjoying this series. It's been awesome, right? If you've missed any, you want to catch those on our YouTube channel or our podcast. But the Bible tells a story, and you have a part to play. And I want to say to our moms tonight that if you are a mother, one of the most important parts you will play is that of being a mother, okay? One of the most important parts. There'll be, there'll be lots of parts we play. But one of the most important parts you will play in your lifetime is that of being a mother. And because motherhood is such an all-consuming role, I believe there is a focused attack by the enemy of our soul to undermine our confidence in who God has called and created us to be as mothers. And how many know that the enemy is good at what he does? I hate giving him credit, but he's wily, he's sneaky, he's been doing this a long time. He knows how to create lies that come at us in the most effective ways. And these lies do nothing, right, except steal, kill, and destroy. And when they come against our role as a mother, they steal, kill, and destroy our confidence as a mother, our calling as a mother, our impact, our influence, and then if left unchecked, ultimately our legacy. So it's serious business that we deal with the lies that the enemy sends our way. I reached out to the moms here at City Life, excuse me, um, on our All Church Leadership team to ask them about these lies because I think all of us deal with lies. So one afternoon, a couple, whatever, several weeks ago, I just compiled those moms' names, sent an email and just said, hey, don't fast and pray about this, don't think long and hard about it, what is the number one or two lies that you deal with in your role as a mother that the enemy continually attacks you with? and press send, and within 30 seconds, my inbox, right? None of these girls had to think long or think hard about what these lies were, and so I was cutting and pasting, cutting and pasting, and I sat down with that list a couple days later, and I began to read that list, and it was amazing. Now, there was a little bit of variety, but pretty much not. There was one lie that the enemy, it was said lots of different ways from lots of different angles, but the number one lie the most overwhelming lie that moms in our church who love Jesus, who are my friends, who we're doing life together, right? These are women I trust and respect, was the lie of I will never be enough for my kids. I won't have the capacity for what my kids need from me. I won't be enough. I'm a single mom. I won't be enough. I have to work too much. I won't be enough. I can't provide enough. I won't be enough. I don't have good role models in my own family. I won't be enough. I'm too new in my faith. I can never be enough. This overall lack, lack in their mothering was something that has just pervaded the thoughts and minds of the moms that I love and are and close with here in this room. And this is what's crazy. So listen to me here. This is what's so interesting. That lie that I will never be enough for my kids is actually true. Because if you were enough for your kids, they wouldn't need a savior. They wouldn't need Jesus. That's the scary thing about the lie. It's actually true. You were never meant, mom, to be enough for your kids. You were meant to point them to Jesus. 
And here's where I want us to land tonight. You and I, as mothers, we were never meant to be perfect. We were meant to be faithful. And the enemy of our soul, the world, social media, culture, brings to us this lie in so many ways, shapes, and forms, wrapped in all different ways, that says we're supposed to be perfect. And we are only actually meant to be faithful. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, even sweet little Derek Michaud, even precious little Claire Van Ness and Ethan Thomas. John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, not your child, not mine, comes to the Father except through me. John 1.12, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You getting me? You getting me? There's, we cannot save our kids Romans 3.10, none is righteous, no, not one. If you have toddlers, say amen. Yes, yes, yes. If you have teenagers, yes. So if we cannot save our kids, what is our part to play? What is our part to play? And I believe that a mother's most powerful part, one of a mother's most powerful parts to play is her faithfulness as she radically submits to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I love that we just closed with that song, Chris, about bowing in worship to the Lord. That ongoing, radical submission, saying yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, gives us what we need to be faithful. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to shed the pressure, the extreme, the lie of perfection, because it does nothing to bring life. It sucks the life out of a journey that is supposed to be filled with joy, a journey that's supposed to be filled with hope, a journey that's supposed to be filled with forgiveness and grace and mercy. We don't have to be our kid's savior. Jesus can be their savior. So I want us in the time that we have remaining, I want us to be encouraged, encourage the moms here in three ways that I believe we're supposed to be faithful. And if you're not a mom, don't check out because these are actually biblical truths and you can insert whatever life role it is that you're in. A dad, a brother, a friend, an employee, a neighbor, these truths apply to you too. Although today for Mother's Day we get to contextualize the whole sermon, okay? So three ways that we need to be faithful to play our part. And I believe that is in our identity, in your voice as a mom, and in your time as a mom. So I want to unpack these and encourage you in what it means not to be perfect in these, friends, but to be faithful. So much liberty and so much freedom comes through that. So our identity, let's unpack identity. I'll tell you what, it's one thing to hear who God says I am, It's a completely different experience or life when I begin to embrace the definition of who God says I am and it becomes my definition of who I am. You see that? And I do believe that there are a lot of people who love Jesus, they're following Jesus, who constantly hear who God says they are, but they never take the step for whatever reason to begin to embrace it as their own where they don't just say, God sees me this way, they say, this is who I am. It changes everything. Just like I can't stop being a mom, I can't take that hat off, it's just part of who I am, 
I need to not be able to stop being a daughter of the king. Everywhere I go, everything I do, everything I put my hand to, everything I think about, everything I talk about. Does, do you get that? This idea of, of, of who God says I am beginning to saturate who I say I am. And the world has worked hard to put lots of definitions of who we are on us. And so they're not even bad always, right? They're just things we pick up on the journey of life, people talking to us and images we see and things we aspire to. But we have to do the heavy lifting, moms, if we're going to be faithful in our identity of looking at these, these, these definitions of who I am and doing the work of stripping off the ones that don't come from God's word, that aren't who God says that I am. Let me tell you who God says you are. I have a working list that I saturate my own heart with. Psalm 139.14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My thighs are fearfully and wonderfully made, y'all. Curls, I'm talking about you. The things about myself that I sometimes am upset about or, you know, whatever, right? You fill in the blank. My bad attitude, the way I'm wired inside to respond when Fred acts this way and I wish I could rewire myself but I can't, right? There's things about me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says, Psalm 17, 8, I am the apple of his eye. Like, I'm his favorite girl. Don't be offended by that, but y'all, I'm his favorite girl. And you need to believe that about yourself because when you do, it changes everything about who you see yourself to be and how you operate in the world. Deuteronomy 7, 6, his treasured possession. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a new creation. How many struggle with the old creation that was, right? The thoughts, the habits, the patterns, the, the accusations, the enemy says, no, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. Did that happen? Yes. Does God see you that way? No. And how should you see yourself as he sees you? He is the only one who will see you that way. You are a new creation in him. Ephesians 4.24, you are righteous. You are holy. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, a daughter of the light, no longer of darkness. How many know those days, those thoughts, those moments where you feel like the light is farther away than it should be. You are a daughter of the light, no longer of darkness. Some words in the notes for this, I know I'm moving through them, and there's lots of scripture to back all of this up, so they're on the website just like they are every week. But here's who God says I am. I am forgiven. I'm, not, I'm gonna talk about this for a minute because I think there's some moms here who really need to embrace this. I think there's some young men and old men here who need to embrace this, that you are forgiven you are desired, desired. You are whole. How about this one? You are a contributor. You have something to say. You have something to offer. You are capable. You are enough. You are unique. We already know that about you. You are valuable. You are precious. You are worthy. You are complete. You have a part to play. Each one of us must make it our personal and ongoing mission to own God's definition of who we are, which takes practice and it takes intentionality. I don't have to be in my role as a mother to play my part. It does not require me to be perfect, but it does require me to be faithful in fully embracing my identity in Christ and I don't know about you, but when I hear these words, when I read these scriptures, I get excited about shedding the world's definition of who I am. 
that definition that, that's legalistic and binding and demands perfection, and I get to be authentically who God called and created me to be. It's a beautiful way to live, but it doesn't come natural to any of us. And if we're going to be faithful in playing our part, I believe we need to steward who, we, who God says we are and make it our definition of ourselves. The second area that we need to be faithful in is that of our voice. The Bible has so much to say about the power of the tongue. And the Bible uses the word tongue interchangeably with voice, really referring to the words that we speak, okay? So I don't know about you, but I regularly spend time in James 3, 2 through 10. We're not going to go there today, but it's that whole section in James that talks about the power of life and death in the tongue. And my tongue, my tongue can go both ways, y'all. I think you know that already. So I need to spend time there. I need to saturate myself with that. I need to remember. I need to be reminded. But for the minutes that we have tonight, let's just all agree that, <laughs> that the tongue can do good and it can do bad. We're not going to spend any time on, of course, we're not supposed to do bad. But what I want to encourage our moms in is the amazing opportunity we have to use our voice as a creative force that gives us power. It's the power, this is the power. This makes us like God. The plant and animal kingdom doesn't have this. You know how it says we're made in God's image? I believe this is one of the ways that is such a reminder of that. We have the power through the words we speak to create feelings in the heart of the person we're speaking to that weren't there before. We have the power. I can't create matter. I would love to create things, right? Speak and it was done. Dinner on the table, right? Clean bathroom, yes, right, mowed lawn, yes, bills paid, but I can't do that. But I can use my voice to create feelings in the listener, which most, when we're raising our children, so much of our time is spent with them in the words that we speak, creating feelings in them that would not have otherwise been there if I didn't use my voice. It's such a powerful and creative uh, force. Our voices as mothers are supposed to be used to build up, to build up, to create hope. Even when we're disciplining our children, we, should, we can be correcting them, and we have a whole biblical parenting class, talk to me if you need more details, but you can be correcting the heart of a child by putting courage in their heart. Even when you're disciplining your kids, even when you're correcting them, you should be speaking life into them, speaking courage that they can do it. They can make the right choice, right? They can redirect. They can use another tone of voice. They can be nice to their sibling, right? We can use our voices to get rid of fear in the people around us, using it to be kind. How many know that would change the world? How about if our homes were places of kindness? <laughs> I'm just saying, revival would break out if homes started to be kind, right? Sometimes it's hard to be kind to the people that we are with all the time. Using our voices to forgive, to be a fountain of forgiveness. Using our voices to speak life. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. 1 Peter 3, 10. For the scriptures say, it just gives it to you straight up here. If you want a happy life and good days, Keep your tongue from speaking evil. Keep your lips from telling lies. means if you want a happy life and good days, tell the truth, speak life. Be nice, right? Use your tongue for good and not for evil. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. We expect to hear that in church. 
You ready for the next thing? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Not most of what I say when I'm well-rested and in a good mood, right? No, let everything I say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. And can I just encourage our moms, our kids are hearing us so much more than when we're just talking to them. So this is important that it saturates our lives. Because so much of what kids learn is when they hear you talking to aunt so-and-so and the neighbor across the fence, right? And they hear you interacting with your spouse and they hear you interacting in life, the way you treat others when you're out and about. Let everything that you say be good and helpful. And if it is, it builds up the hearer. And if our kids are the fruit of that, what a beautiful gift we give them. So playing my part as a mom does not require me to be perfect, but it does require me to be faithful in using my voice to speak life, using my voice as a creative force to build up the lives of the people around me. The third area is my time. Being faithful with my time really encompasses, hear me, you might say, hmm, time. It really encompasses the prioritization of how I spend my time with a clear focus on the reality that time is limited. Not to induce fear or sadness or stress us out, but to induce motivation and focus in how we use our time. There's moments where you're, you're stressed out because time is running out, right? Your kids are growing up, there's sadness, they're not gonna always be here. I, I understand that. But I believe our sense of understanding that time is limited, time is a valuable commodity, and should be ordered accordingly, will help us ruthlessly eliminate the things that don't matter. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 15 through 17. It says, so then, be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but be wise. How? Making the best use of your time, because the times are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is is. I love that verse. It makes it very clear. Do not be unwise, but wise. How do you do that? You make the best use of your time. How do you do that? You understand what the Lord's will is as it relates to your time. What that is, the phrase that Fred and I like to use, is it's values-based living. That the values of God's word then create an infrastructure for how you're going to structure the time that God has given you. Your values drive how you spend your time, not what's convenient, not what's easy, not what's just in front of you, but you actually take time to think about how you structure and organize the limited time that is not guaranteed tomorrow in how we steward that time. Time is a limited commodity, it is precious, it is meant to be stewarded as a gift from God. It does not belong to us, nor are we entitled to have it. And we must value and order our time. So as I, I'm gonna go ahead and invite the band to come as we prepare to close over these next few minutes, I wanna ask you to consider a couple questions in thinking about time. Are biblical values instructing your time? Meaning that, have you ever taken a look at, these are the things that I believe, these are my values in life, and do they drive my calendar 
as much or more than anything else? Are the things that matter to God reflected in how you and your family spend your time? You can say you love community and you're committed to the body of Christ and you want accountable relationships and gathering is important, but if you don't do a life group and then you come to church a couple times a month and you, you're, just, you're not investing in meaningful relationships, shut up already. Don't be that person. I tell parents in the parenting class, whatever you do, don't be duplicitous, right? If you're not living up to the truth of God's word, just shut your mouth and own that. It's okay. But don't be the one who preaches something and lives something different. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you say that you believe in generosity, if you say that you believe in these different things, does your time reflect that? If you believe in serving others, how does your family's calendar reflect that? Actual time. It takes courage to reflect on this. It takes courage to hold up the truth of God's word and look at our lives. But can I just tell you as a mom whose time is shifting, my time's not run out, I'll always be a mom, I'll always have a voice in my kids' lives, but I'm in those launching years, right? My parenting window has shut and now I'm a coach, or I'd rather not a coach, a cheerleader, I'm a cheerleader. I don't have the whistle anymore, I don't get to call time out, I don't get to call the plays. I'm a cheerleader. And I can tell you from my vantage point, by God's grace, I've been able to raise my kids knowing Jesus. By God's grace, I had biblical truth and those who've gone before me that poured into me. And I wasn't perfect. Fred and I have not far from perfect, right? But now that my time is no longer, like I'm not the primary voice in my kids' lives, I just, I wanna be a good sister in Christ and say, you wanna look back and know that you stewarded that time that the things that you really believe are important, that you put those in the hearts of your kids. And you don't do it by what you say, it's by what you do, how you spend your time, how you invest. We could talk here about money and there's so many things we could talk about, but just stay focused, Vanessa. Time, identity, voice, time. Playing my part does not require me to be perfect, but it does require me to be faithful in making the best use of my time with my children. And I just wanna say to any mom listening, here in the room, online, don't beat yourself up. If you hear this and you're, you wish you had been in a different place in your walk with Christ, maybe you didn't even know Christ when you were raising your kids, or, or, or you have more revelation today, you're further along in your journey, because the enemy would love you to hear a message like this and just start beating you up, right? That is ridiculous. That enemy has no authority to do that, and I just wanna squash those thoughts and say that if you are here and you're listening and you're hearing my voice, that guess what? You have today. You have today. Don't look back, look forward, look where you are now, you have today. And you get to throw off the shackles of this idea of being perfect. And you get to step up and be faithful. I want to encourage us in that. Every mom here, I want to encourage you to throw away the lie of perfection that's filled with shame and disappointment and regret and legalism and feeling less than. <laughs> and be all in to the journey of being faithful. The journey of being faithful, there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, there's authenticity, there's joy, there's incredible purpose, and that's how real discipleship happens in our homes. 
is on the journey of being faithful. So go ahead and stand where you are. I just want to, we're going to return to a moment of worship. And I want to invite all of us collectively to just ask yourself the question of maybe there's ways that this life perfection, and it's not just for moms, right? It's for all different life roles. Have I taken on an identity or any assumptions that are connected with this idea of I have to have it all together, I have to be perfect? And has it affected how I'm living my life? And does God want to release you? He does want to release you from that. And have I, have, can I make a pivot? Can I make a shift to saying, what does it look like to be faithful? It's okay that I'm not perfect. Can I be faithful? And then if you're really courageous, I want to invite you to have a conversation with God in this moment as you walk out of here in a few minutes about how you are being faithful in your own identity in Christ and the, how you're using the words that you speak to create and faithfulness over the use of your time. We all have the same amount of time. What we do with it is what matters. So Father, we just thank you for every mom here. Father, we thank you that in you we find hope and we find joy, that we don't have to live under this heavy weight of having to have it all together. We can set that aside. We can flush it down the toilet. We can say no to those lies that suck out the joy of the most purposeful and impactful life role that we will ever walk in, and that is as a mother. And Father, I pray that every woman in this place, every mom in this place, every son in this place, every father in this place, that we would lean all into your faithfulness. Lord, we would pick up that yoke of learning what it means to be faithful. Lord, we would experience the life, the hope, the renewal, the joy that comes through being able to be authentically who you've called and created us to be. And in doing that, Father, our calling, our, our purpose, and our legacy will be lasting and true in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.